love these words that Jesus spoke. He said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he said, Right, for these words are faithful and true. I love that. I'm making all things new. You know, so often, especially back then, I think, you know, when they saw him go through the crucifixion and they watched him just be murdered, would be a good way to put it. What would have their, their perspective been? Oh my goodness, it's all over. It's done. It's finished. Our hope has gone. He was the one that was supposed to establish the kingdom of Israel and he's just been killed. But Jesus had spoken to them about, I'm making all things new. And don't look at this time. This is a transitional time. It's not the end. There's a new day coming. And there's a new life that's going to come with this new day. And this life is for you as my people. You know, we see Peter's life. Peter went back to fishing because he thought it was over. You see, when you lose hope, you go back to what you used to do because your hope is gone. But in him, we have hope, don't we? Hope deferred makes the heart sick. But hope realized brings so much life to the heart, so much life to the mind. I just love those words. And he told John to write them down. For I am making all things new. And I'm not sure if you've tracked, but each week, God is just building precept upon precept upon precept upon precept. There are things that are being added to what he's building, who he's building. And it's just block going in after block after block after block. And um, I've wrestled today with what to bring. I had four messages to bring, um, which really are the same thing all into one because it's all about Christ. Um, I didn't know whether I was going to talk about the gospel again. I didn't know whether I was going to talk about love Yesterday morning he woke me up and started talking about building the church. So I just started writing a whole lot of stuff about that. And just over the last 24 hours I've just been, as I do, I wrestle until now. So I never know what I'm going to speak until I get up and the mic is in my hand. And now, even now, it might interchange and it might be a combination of four things into one. So just track with me and come with me. And I pray that the Spirit of God will open our ears to hear what He wants to say, not what I want to say, but what He wants to say. Um, Petitioning and grappling with God is good. It's something that I hope we would all be doing on a consistent basis. Grapple with Him. Wrestle with Him. Jacob wrestled with the Lord and what happened? He got given a brand new identity, a brand new name. Things altered through wrestling with God. Things change when you wrestle with the Father. The things that have been freely given to us become known when we take the time to wrestle and grapple. And the Bible says contend for a life that is for us. And I guess I just want to continue to speak life about a life that's available in Christ. 
1997, I was a broken man. Broken. In a trillion pieces, my life was. I'd gone through a marriage divorce. I was extremely messed up and smashed into a trillion pieces. And then I found this person called Jesus. And bit by bit, he started putting not an old life back together, but a brand new life together. He didn't take my old pieces and start putting me back. He had a whole lot of brand new pieces. And I started to experience a life that I've never experienced before. I started to experience a love that I had never known. I've tasted it. It wasn't a theoretical argument. It wasn't something in a book because I'd never read the book. I met a person. And bit by bit and step by step and precept upon precept as I sought the Lord, as I contended, as I grappled for more of the reality that I'd experienced, this new life started to come. He says all things are made new. I started to experience an all things are made new life. It's not a life that I'd known before. As I said, it wasn't a modified life. It wasn't like he said, Greg, I'm going to take your old life and stick you back together with super glue. He said, son, I'm going to give you a brand new life. And there is a brand new life available for us to know, experience, and then live out. It's called a new created life. It's called love. God is love, isn't he? He wants us to experience this incredible substance. Too many people just know God loves them, but they don't know the love. It's like a statement, oh, I know he loves me, but have you received love? It's one thing to know it technically. It's one thing to know it, have a mental understanding. It's a whole different thing to receive it. Completely different reality as we receive love, we start to live it out. And I've called this life is the classroom, love is the lesson. Life is the classroom, love is the lesson. Our lives are a classroom. How many people went to school? How many people learned when they were at school? How many people went there to eat other people's lunches and play sport? See, life is the classroom and love is the lesson. Jesus said, would you learn from me? What does that mean? Well, would you learn who I am, who you are in me, and then receive that life that you could live out love the way I intend you to live it out? Life is hard at times, isn't it? get knocked upside down. Didn't he promise us trials and tribulations? But then he promises you this life of love. You see, he doesn't hold anything back. He doesn't hide things from you. He makes you fully aware of what you're getting yourself into. He says, Greg, you will have trials. You will have tribulations. You will be persecuted if you live for me. You will be hated. You will be loved. You'll be liked. You'll be disliked. You'll say things and people won't understand them and you'll have to put up with them of what they come and vice versa because they'll say things that you don't understand and they'll have to put up with you. And in the washing machine, I'm going to work it all out because life is the lesson and love is what we're to be coming forth out of us, yes? Life is the classroom, sorry, love 
is the lesson. Here's a question. Are we expecting a result of his truth in our lives? Are we expectant of something? See, if we're not aiming for something, you get nothing, don't you? Do we have a vision for a life that's declared in God? Do we carry an expectation? Last night, the Lions, funny enough, they must have expected to win that series. I don't think, I didn't have the expectation that they would win. I thought, man, if anyone's going to be happy about a draw, it's going to be them because certainly didn't think they were going to come here and beat the All Blacks. So you've got to be happy with a draw, but they didn't seem to be too happy. They must have really thought they could beat the Blacks, the best team in the world. Those French, eh? Hey, that forward pass all those years ago, they're still our nemesis, still messing it up for us. But they expected to come here and win. Against the All Blacks, do you expect to receive from God what God says? Are you expecting to receive a love, come into a love, and then live a love out? Well, that's what he has. God has high hopes for you and I. He has high dreams. He has high hopes. He says, guess what, Greg? My love, it believes all things. See, God sees all things and he still believes all things. He's incredible. He said, my love endures all things. I've gone through all things that you would experience and know me. So he hopes, he believes, he endures. He was persecuted that through life we would come to know love, which is the great commandment, isn't it? And with that love, We would then turn around and love him and firstly love one another and then love a world. So you can't love a world if you don't love the Father. There's no way you're going to love people with the love of God if you haven't received the love of God. You can't love people technically. You will fall short every time. You may have every good intent And you may try, but let me tell you, I will and other people will trip you up by our behavior and your lack of his love will find you out and you'll find you'll be getting frustrated, angry, upset. Why don't these kids do what I ask them to do? And all of a sudden you start yelling and it's because they're kids. You might need to get along to the teaching series on the family dynamics doesn't mean their behavior's right, does it? But do I have the capacity within me to love on behavior that's not aligned? I don't excuse the behavior, but have I learned love through the classroom? Because that's the lesson. And that's really the single point of the church's lesson. It's not to reach lost people. It's not to find out my gifts. It's not to create my own ministry. This is what we pump out through books and DVDs. So everyone's chasing this thing that really no one ever finds. Or if they do find it, it's lacking something. Why? Because we're to find love. Love is the lesson that we're all to learn. And then all those things flow out of love. 
If you don't love people and you're a senior leader, you'll beat people up. You'll create a functioning house and when the people don't follow and flow in the function, you get frustrated so you go get a whole lot of other people. And yet the people are the goal. The goal is love. Why? Because like I said, life is the classroom and love is the lesson. So Jesus has really high hopes for us. He had incredibly high hopes for me when he met me in 1997. Oh no, when I met him. Sorry. He already knew who I was. He said, son, I've got so high hopes for you. But there will be trials. There will be tribulations. There are things you're going to go through. If you want the life that I say, you have to go through what my son went through. Not to the same degree, maybe, hopefully. Don't know, other people did. But there is a life, as a love that's possible in him. And these are the two words that I got yesterday morning. And I believe the Holy Spirit said, it's time to get serious about our faith in Christ. It's time to get serious. And here's the problem. Sometimes we don't really know what we're going to get serious about. And sometimes we think we are serious. And we might be. But are we fully in tune to what he's doing rather than you're serious about what you think he's doing? You can be serious in your faith, but actually it's your mindset. It's your perspective. So you think you're full on. He's going, you're not full on for my will at all. You just think you are. You see, there was a message last week from Sam, and I loved it, and he talked about renting or having a home. And he actually asked us, and I don't know whether anyone here has done anything with it. He said, are you a renter here or is this your home? Because they have two different heartbeats, don't they? I know I've rented a place before and without trying to puff myself up, I always treated it like it was mine, but I knew it wasn't. You treat things differently when you own them, don't you? To when it's someone else's. He challenged us in this, is this household, is this just a place you come? Are you a renter or is it your home? See, it's time to get serious about what God is doing here. And this is why the other message he gave me was, and I'll get to it, about building the church. See, he has an expectation of us through his building. And he says there are outcomes that you can expect if I'm building you. So there is a love to come into if we are truly being built the way God intends. He's not a liar. He wants us to come into the fullness of life. Why? Because he has high hopes for us, hasn't he? It's not just about being saved, meaning justified and then living life like you did before. He wants you and I to come into a brand new life. He then said this, I'm looking for participants, not attenders. It's so easy to come here and attend. It's another thing to be a participant. It's so easy just to come, well, I attend. And see, you attend so you think you're part of, not necessarily. You can go through religious traditions. You can go through religious ceremonies and never be part of what God's doing. doesn't mean he doesn't love you, but you're not part of what he's actually trying to do. And you'll know whether you are because you'll have the evidence happening in your life. So the evidence of change is the proof 
of whether I'm actually receiving and being built the way God intends. That makes sense, doesn't it? Whoever built this building had plans, they had designs, they had a purpose, they had a goal, there was an intent, they had a vision for it, they could see it. Do you have a vision for who you're becoming? Do you read the scriptures and have a vision for your life? I'm not talking about words on a wall, I mean who he's calling you to be. Saints are going to judge the world. Who are the saints? We are supposed to be, and we're going to judge the world in some point in time. Were you aware of that? I guarantee you, probably most of you actually aren't. Are you aware that he's invited you to sit on his throne next to him for eternity? See, we can think we're living a life, but actually be outside of the life. Not outside of love, but outside of this transformational life. And it's so powerful. Why? Because God has high hopes for us. Sons who reflect the sun. God gave me these words at the start of the year. Guests, friends, sons. See, it's time to get serious. He said, Greg, there are guests at the rock. There are friends and then there are sons. It's okay to come as a guest. It's good. Transition into a friend as you're getting to know. Then you become part of the family, yes? This is how God works. He justifies us. Then he says, enter into sanctification, which is transformation. Then I'm going to give you a glorified body. See, we're not to stay as guests and we're not to stay as friends. We're to become sons of the house that he's building, the household of God, Sam spoke about, the household. You and I are to be a family that reflect family, and love is the thing that brings us all together. We're no longer to stay friends. You come around to my house, cool. You're a friend or a guest. But even there, there's a different intimacy in a friend and a guest, isn't there? A guest or a friend. So if you're a friend of mine, come in, man. Help yourself to whatever's there. You're a friend, but then you go again. And you might come back and you go again. And a friend might bring a guest and I welcome the guest in and they're welcome and they can have whatever they want like the friend, but then they go again. But my daughters stay. My daughters invest. My daughters lay their lives down. Danny and I are building a home. And so we expect more from our daughters than we do friends and guests. There's a greater expectation. Why? Because there's a culture brewing. There's a home brewing. There's a people brewing. We've got high expectations that we have for our daughters that we don't necessarily have for friends and guests. See, God has a high expectation for us as sons. But it's motivated from love, not pressure. Don't hear this as pressure. Hear it as expectation. Don't hear it as obligation. Hear invitation. See, perspective is powerful. How you hear can twist it or distort it or it can bring life. We can read the scriptures and go, Ugh. or we can meditate on the word and go, wow, really? Yes, because I have high hopes for you. It's incredible. So let's go to 1 John 2. 
And I'm just going to quickly get through this. 1 John 2. He's saying, we're here again. Yep. Because there is so much in this. Because once again, it's not about mental understanding. It's about reality, isn't it? It's not about mentally understanding Scripture. It's about coming into the life of Scripture so then we can live out Scripture. We are full of information. Are we full of transformation? That's the challenge, isn't it? So It says here, 1 John 2 verse 5, But whoever keeps his word in him, the love of God has truly been perfected. Who wants that? Who wants the love of God to be truly perfected within you? Okay, so there's a vision, isn't there? How many people would say you're there? How many people have the love of God truly being perfected in you? Well, you sort of have, but you need a greater revelation of what's there. So once again, it's about this Holy Spirit, bring me into the fullness of what's being said. So there's a promise. If you keep, whoever keeps his word in him, the love of God has truly been perfected. We looked at what it means to keep his word. By this, by what? This love being perfected, we know that we are in him. The one who says, got to be careful what you say. The one who says he abides in him ought himself to walk in the same manner as he walked. Mm. Seven, beloved, I'm not writing a new commandment to you, but an old commandment which you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you have heard. On the other hand, I am writing a new commandment. Is he confused? No, not at all. To you. Because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. The one who says he is in the light, Christ, and yet hates his brother, is in the darkness until now. Notice it doesn't say a stranger. The one who hates his brother. The one who loves his brother abides in Christ, the light. And there is no cause for stumbling in him. Now there's a promise. So if you're abiding in Christ, the light, there's no cause for stumbling. So offense comes because we're not in something. That's how you get hurt. Because there's a lack of love in you. So when the offense comes, it goes straight in. Because the love shield is down. Because the love shield isn't present. Because there's a lack of abiding. Because the promise says, those who abide in me, the love of God is perfected. So if I'm truly abiding in Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit, then love is being full, which is my shield. So when the arrow comes of offense, it just hits the shield and bounces off. And I don't hate my brother. I love my brother because I'm called to love my brother as Christ loves. So if I'm not abiding, then the shield's not being formed. So when the offense comes, boof, it takes me down. And now I have offense against Paul. And the enemy and my own flesh can fester that, twist that, speak to that. And now all of a sudden this thing that's come, which was that big, is now festered. And now I'm carrying bitterness and unforgiveness towards a brother. And I literally hate a brother. Why? Because I wasn't abiding. Because I wasn't keeping the word. You see, the Bible says in John 15, it says, I am the true vine, doesn't it? 
So Jesus is the vine. The Father is the vine dresser, meaning he's the pruner. And who are we? We are the branch. And all we have to do is we want to abide in Christ is stay connected to the true vine. Because there are many false vines. That's why he tells you, I am the true vine. See, there are false vines. Money, myself, other people, sport, careers. They're all false vines. There's nothing wrong with them in amongst themselves. But if they become my vine, there's something wrong. Because I'm connected to sport, I'm connected to the Lions, I'm connected to rugby, I'm connected to football. And when a decision like that happens, which is so wrong, I get so worked up inside. Trust me, this is me, I'm talking to me. I get so worked up for a week and everyone needs to know about it. Unbelievable, did you see that? It's just wasted energy. Why? Because I was connected to a wrong vine. But the Bible says I'm connected to the true vine then something's going to be produced through me. I don't produce it. It's going to be produced through me. It's called fruit. It's called the fruit of the Spirit. What is the first fruit of the Spirit? Oh, love. Oh, let's go back to my scripture. If the love of God is being perfected in me. So if I'm connected, if I'm abiding, the first fruit of the Spirit, it's not fruits, it's fruit. Okay? You look at all the fruit, it's the fruit Of what? The same person. Christ in me is the fruit of the Spirit. Which is my armor, isn't it? So guess what? If I have love being perfected, when offense comes, there's no cause for stumbling. See, what we do is, and I'm not knocking this, but we write all these books about being at the bottom of the cliff and how to get back up to the top. Why don't we actually start reading the book about staying at the top of the cliff and not being down at the bottom? I'm not knocking. We, if we're down there, we need to get up, but it's, that's still the book that gets you up. I'm not knocking other people's stuff. I've written a book, which I believe is revealed from the Father. But what I am saying is this. Let's live lives at the top of the cliff. Why? Because that's what the Bible actually teaches. You're to be overcomers. Why? Because you're abiding in me. Why? Because I have high hopes for you. I have dreams. I have plans. I have them. I don't want you to have your own. I have enough for you. And I want my dreams to become your dreams. I don't want you to ask me to bless your dreams. I want my dreams to become your dreams. So you ask me to bless my dreams. Ah, that's how I work. You see, we've taught the opposite. We've said everyone's got individual dreams, goals, purposes, blah, 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 blah. Have you found it yet? Are you still looking, still asking the same question you asked when you got born again? I bet you are. What is the plan? What is the dream? It's the wrong question. It's, Father, what are your plans? And when we pray in alignment to him, he'll answer. See, as we abide in Christ, keeping the word, we get to walk in the manner in which Christ walked. How did Christ walk? He walked in what? Four-letter word describing himself, love. And love is what? Patient. People go, give me patience. I say, no, get love. You'll be patient. No, I pray for patience. No, pray for love. Love is patient. 
I'm not very kind to these people. Then you need more love. You need love being perfected in you. I'm not very faithful. I need more faith. No, you need more love. I'm not very gentle. Give me gentle. No, no, you need more love. Who is love? You need more Jesus. Everything comes back to Jesus. On the revelation of what? Jesus, I build my church. See, makes, God makes it so simple. He takes this incredible living scriptures and he brings it down to this simplistic sentence called, love me. That's the purpose of your life, is to fall in love. But I and you have been preached and taught your purpose is this, 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 this. get a husband, get some kids, get this, get this. No, no, fall in love with love, and let love define your life. And if you get all those things, it's a bonus. But you know what those things won't do? They won't become a noose around your neck, strangling you and creating no life in your life. That's what happens when you get those things and you don't get Jesus. The more you have Jesus, the more those things are loosened, put in perspective, put in place. Why? Because you found love. Why? Because Jesus has high hopes for you. Why? Because I've made all things new. He goes on and he says this. This is in 1 John 2, 10. The one who loves his brother abides, there's that word again, abides in the light. Okay, the one who loves his brother abides in the light, and there is no cause for stumbling in him. Do you know that's where it happens? Stumbling happens where? In you. That's where everything starts. In you. If things get in you, that's where stumbling starts. That's where the thoughts start. That's why the mind must be renewed. Enemy knows that. He knows if he can get past that shield of love then we're staffed now there's healing in the name of Jesus isn't there Jesus came to set the captive free so Jesus came to reorder all the works that the enemy is trying to do he's trying to destroy you and yet Jesus wants to bring you life which tells me there's a war going on and we can be lulled into a false sense of security and that's why he's saying to you, are you going to get serious about your faith? Are you going to continue to attend or be a participant in the game called life, the game called Christ? So then he goes on, he says this, but the one who hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. The darkness has blinded our spiritual eyes. He's not talking about physical eyes. How many of you can see where you're going physically? Got good eyesight? Mine's slowly diminishing as far as close up, but far away is still good. So I can all see your gorgeous faces. <laughs> but darkness is here. What? But I have light. Yeah, but you have darkness. An unrenewed mind walks around in darkness. The inability to hear 
to the measure that's been renewed, walks around in darkness. That's why we stumble. That's why there's a fence, because we're walking in darkness. Come with me to Matthew. I'll read you this passage, which Matthew six twenty-two to 23. Matthew six twenty-two. The eye is the lamp of the body. So then if your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. That's good news, isn't it? So the eye, this is where he transitions to the physical. This is why we've got to watch what we're looking at. Okay, Because this is where it's the eye is the window of our soul. Soul being mind, will, and emotions. That's why you guard your eyes. What are you viewing? Can be a little bit trickier for guys than girls, but it's all of us. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? The word darkness means ignorance of divine things. The darkness due to want of light. Interesting, eh? The word darkness means ignorance of divine things. The inability to see. So I walk around not being able to see more and more and more, which brings me into the fullness of life. You see, if I'm abiding and keeping the word by the power of the Spirit. You and I cannot abide without the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why we've been given the Holy Spirit. If we try, there is no life in that. So God, once again, has high hopes for you and I. So through the power of God, that's where our faith is to rest. Amen? Not on our ability, our wisdom, our smartness, our IQ. All that in Christ is futile until it is re-transformed and renewed by the power of God, yes? Okay, so as we live from this new place now, we are able to see because of what we're receiving, because of how we're abiding. So the Bible says if we're abiding in Christ, he doesn't say fruits produced, he says what? Much fruit. Much life is produced in the person that abides in the vine. So here's our challenge. Are we that intentional about our relationship with Christ? I'm pretty intentional when I go to the gym. I know these guys are. I know they probably eat, watch they, what they, they watch what they eat. Do you guys watch what you eat? Do you have a specific routine? How many times at the gym are you there? All the time. Nothing wrong with going to the gym. Nothing wrong with anything. Nothing wrong, but there's an intent. There's an intention. There's vision. There's purpose. There's time. There's resource that goes into it, yes? Can you hear the level of intent that's required to have this relationship with Christ? See, we study to become doctors, we become this, we become that. We take all the time, we resource and we, we, we prioritize and we discipline and we get up early for the things that we want. Love. 
And yet it comes to Jesus and it's all this sort of, oh, well, yeah, maybe. He's only the greatest thing since sliced bread. But, oh, yeah, we'll get, we'll get round to that. He loves us so much that he allows that, but he has high hopes for you. That's why he's so patient with me. Because he has high hopes and he promises you this life and says, guys, it's fully possible to walk in the manner in which I walked. For I've called you to walk in the manner in which I walked. Hebrews 3 verse 1 says, I've called you for a heavenly calling. I've called to transform you into the image of my son. Who are you talking to? My church. Galatians 5, 13 to 15. And this is the last passage and it's an interesting scripture. question I believe he wants to ask us is what are we doing with our freedom Galatians 5.13 for you were called to freedom brethren, brothers and sisters called to freedom man I hope that hits home called for freedom, there's so many people that aren't free and yet we've been called Chosen for freedom. Only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh. But through love, serve one another. Don't turn your freedom into an opportunity for your flesh. But through love, through love. Who's love? If you abide in Christ, what's perfected in you? Love, perfect love. So you're able to walk in the manner in which you walk, which is love, yes? Look at verse 14. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, in the statement, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Who's your neighbor? Everyone. So the person beside you is your neighbor. Your workmate is your neighbor. Your next door neighbor is your neighbor. Your wife, husband, child is your neighbor. So if you're able to love your neighbor, anyone, like Christ, you have fulfilled the law. The law of what? Love. I'm able to fulfill the law of love. There's only one law. Okay, We get all twisted up and we're trying to keep all these other things and we try and juggle all these plates and I've got to do this and I've got to do that and then there's this day and there's that food and there's all these things, I've got to do that. And all he's saying is, you know what, it's one law. I've taken all that and I fulfilled it in the Son So you can fulfill it. It's called the law of love. He said, but what I give you, this thing called freedom, don't abuse it. Once again, there's that question. What are we doing with our faith? Are we serious? Are we abusing? See, here's the thing, and this is what I love about God. And I asked him this question. I said, man, God, I said, why do you give gifts to your church in a very immature state? Because it causes so much destruction. 
what on earth are you putting an apostolic gift on my life when I'm a baby in Christ? He says, Greg, because I believe and I hope and I've endured and I've gone through all things that I believe in you. And I believe that you're going to serve and love me. Love me and serve me and do it my way. He's so faithful when I'm not. He sees things that I don't. He says, you can eat from all the trees. Just watch that one. He doesn't say, watch that one, now eat from all those trees. He believes in us so much that we're going to fall in love. Do you? Do you believe in you? He's got high dreams for you and I. He's got high plans. The Bible says it's an upward call. He doesn't want living mediocre lives. He died that we would live abundant lives. I'm not talking, guys, about having yachts in, in Mauritius and, and skyscrapers in New York. And I'm talking about a life in the Spirit that's full. And if you get that stuff, it's a bonus. But he says, I've given you freedom. And don't use your freedom as an opportunity for your flesh to bleh and to pull people down and to strip them down and to speak badly. Use your tongue because I've given you freedom that you would be a representation of me. Why? Because you abide in me and you've keeping my word. And so my love is being perfected in you. So when offense comes, there's no offense because love loves on offense because you had your barrier up called love because you perfected the law of Christ, which is to love like Christ. Does that sound like a church? That's what he's building. He is building this church. Jesus is building his church today. He's been building it, hasn't he? Can you hear what I'm saying? We may not be part of that building process, but he is building his church. This is our challenge. You can't just go, yeah, yeah, but... The evidence for Greg Simnor's life is, am I able to live it out? That's how I know if I'm being built. Because I have the capacity, not in me, because what he's doing in me, to live it out. So am I able to live out the law of love? That is the evidence of me walking in the manner in which he walked. There is no gap I pray that they would be one as we are one. Can you see how incredible? It's a supernatural life. It's a new created life. It's not a modified life. It's a brand new life. I'm sorry that we have taught modification. When I say we, I mean the church as a whole throughout the centuries. Oh, just a bit of tweaking here and a bit of tweaking there. No, it's a brand new existence. It's called being born again of a brand new creational life. That's why the Bible says you're a new creation in Christ. Can you hear me? It demands a response. Revelation demands a response. Revelation causes manifestations. It's like, man, you're joking. No, I'm not. This is how good it is. And Jesus promises you, but he says, guys, are we serious? He is. He's deadly serious. And so he is patient. He's kind. He's gentle. He waits. He waited for me for nine 
long years, well, let's say 29 years, but I really didn't know he existed till I was about 19 when he came and said, hey, here I am. But nine years, how many days is that? That's a lot of days. Why? Because you Greg, I have high hopes. Have you seen that movie, The Shack? There's a part in the movie, oh, just this one part, where God is in the kitchen with Sam Worthington and God is being played out through this uh, woman. It's fantastic. And she says, you're free to go. We're not holding you here. You're free to go. I love that. You're free to go. But if you want life, I'm here. This is how God holds us all in the palm of our hand. Let's not abuse that freedom. Let's come into the revelation of what he's really saying and the life for which he's calling us. Because he has high hopes for you and I. His dreams that go beyond here, and yet they affect here fully. Please hear me. I'm not talking about going living in a cave and singing Kumbaya till he comes. That's, I'm saying that the reality of what I'm talking about affects us now because we are to be the physical demonstration of God upon the earth for everyone that doesn't know God. It's called the Church of Jesus Christ. It's called the pillar that supports the truth. Sam's scripture last week. It's called the household of God. It's called the priesthood of God. It's called the living stones of the church of the temple of Jesus Christ. Do these scriptures ring true? This is who you and I are called to be. Sons of glory. All creation waits for us to be revealed. But that must be intentional. Let's go to the gym. The spiritual gym. Amen. So, Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for what you've done this morning in healing people, setting the captive free, to bring us into a reality that we would know your goodness. Fathers, we know your goodness, your goodness and your kindness leads us to repent, to turn from our lives and to point our lives towards you. For you have high hopes for us, God. As a father, like every mother and father, we have high hopes for our children. And you're no different because we are your children. So Holy Spirit, we thank you for this time with you. We thank you that we've come here together. We pray for all those that are on holiday, going on holiday. We pray for safe trips wherever they are. But Father, I thank you for the family of love. That we are not going to walk in darkness. We won't stumble. We won't hate one another. We won't have hatred Against one another, Father, love covers behavior in the hope that behavior allows itself to surrender to love. Thank you, that's what you've done for all of us, and that we would pay it forward through our abiding in you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.